I want to preach on something that I believe is an important subject. I want to talk about focusing on the joy of our salvation being restored as a people. You know, for many of us, we remember, maybe there was a moment when we first got saved, when we first realized there was a God, He was love, and He sent His Son to die for our sins. And that was personal, because we knew we were sinners, we knew that we needed grace, we knew we needed tremendous mercy. And all of a sudden, all that weight that we carried throughout our lives, not knowing, being confused, being lost, is there God, is there not a God, does he forgive me, am I good enough, all these kind of things are lifted off our chest. And when you see people when they're first saved, it's unbelievable. They're just like, man, life's so good. Life's so good, I can't believe it. I was meeting with a guy that we baptized last week, he was an atheist. And I, I had dinner with him and his family. He was sitting out back, and he said, Joey, I just can't stop talking about this. I can't stop talking about the gospel. I can't stop talking about the fact that Jesus has saved me. Because he was an absolute atheist. He said, I wake up every day and I'm happy. He said, I look in the sky and I realize it's not just this life, that there's an eternity there. He had purpose. He was forgiven. A weight was lifted. All this kind of joy of salvation. I sat there and said, man, I'm pretty happy, but I don't know if I'm that happy. Right? I remembered all those feelings, right? When I got saved and you got saved, we had these feelings like, wow, I don't care what life brings, I don't care what the day brings, I have Jesus, and that's the only thing that matters. I have Jesus, and he's poured out his mercy on my life. And that love has overwhelmed me, and that mercy has overwhelmed me. And even though I'm a sinner, I'm saved by his wonderful and beautiful mercy. So I want us all to be reminded today that God is merciful. That you and we are an object of his mercy. And I want his mercy to overwhelm us. And I just want to go through a few things because I want you to fight for the joy of your salvation. Today when I'm going to be preaching through Psalm 51, what David is doing, he's saying, Rejoice unto me the joy of your salvation. I think I changed that verse for years and said my salvation. But your salvation that you've given me that was undeserved, choosing me, saving me, loving me, adopting me. I want us all to hear that today and enjoy the grace and the goodness of God. So if we could turn to Psalm 51, or if you don't have your Bible, you can just read up here with us. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. <clears throat> Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, 
O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. It's good to read the word of God, isn't it? I feel like that's a message. I can just sit down right now, give it an amen, let's move on. But the first thing I want us to hear as we fight for the joy of our salvation, as we receive the grace of God is, our joy is restored in our salvation when we confront sin. When we confront sin. Yes, I'm talking about sin at the joint service. That's how we rode, we roll in the road family. I heard a woman interviewing a famous pastor and she was asking him a question about a moral issue. And she said, are you saying this is sin? And he said, yes, I am saying it's sin. And she said, then you're saying there's people who practice this sin while you're preaching, you're calling those people in the congregation sinners. And she, she was absolutely appalled. She was appalled, like, how dare you call people sinners in the congregation? And I'm thinking to myself, at what point did we become sinless when we came to church? We should... Let me get here first. We adopted this sinless mentality. Like, if we start coming to church, if we start following Jesus, like, all of a sudden, you walk those doors and the sinless people have sat down. Those who have practiced righteousness perfectly have sat down to worship the holy God. They are worthy. That takes away from the power of the gospel. We need to be reminded that we are sinners daily, weekly. Because we are sinners and we take away from the power of God when we kind of call them mistakes and failures when they're really sins. Intentional and unintentional. And it takes away from our joy because then we don't understand the gospel. How much Jesus has saved us from not one time but daily every moment of our life. We need to remember that we are sinners and confront sin. It's okay that we are sinners. Not that we sin. But Christ, when he went to the cross, knew we were sinners and died for us while we were still sinners. Do we realize that we weren't good enough, we weren't the kind people or the one making the good choices? He said, they're filthy sinners, but I am love, and because of my grace and because of my mercy, I'm making them objects of my mercy, and I'm going to die for them. The joy of our salvation is restored when we realize we are sinners. And it's important to understand the context of Psalm 51. David is coming off probably the most heinous sins of his life. This is a man with a heart after God. He's coming off the most heinous sins of his life. He has committed adultery on his wife. He has got her pregnant. And he has killed the woman's husband. Strategically, to act like it's an accident. Now you have to be scheming for that to happen, right? You got a little time on your hands. He says, put Uriah at the front of the army, then act like you're pulling back so he gets killed so I can have his wife. Now, how unclean does your heart have to be at that point to be able to do those things in your life? Now, what is crazy is, it seems like he was unrepentant of that sin until he was confronted by the word of God and by truth and by love and by God's prophet. So there was a period of his life where I can guarantee you one thing. There was no joy in his salvation. You guys know that. When we don't confront our sin, when God puts people in our life to confront the sin, repent, and turn away, it bothers us. We try to justify it. We try to walk through it. We try to forget it. We try to do things to make us more comfortable. But our conscience is not clean. 
And so David, all of a sudden, is confronted by Nathan the prophet. And then Nathan the prophet comes to him to have a conversation. And he said, tells him a story. This is how guys would do it. This is how Jesus did, how the prophet did. Let me tell you a story. So David thinks he's pulling up for story time. And he says to him, there was a man, a rich man. This rich man had many lambs and a big herd. He was rich. He was flourishing. And there was a poor man who had one lamb, but he cherished this lamb. He loved this lamb. He cared for this one lamb. He said one day the rich man was having guests over, and he didn't want to take from his own herd. So he took the, rich, the poor man's lamb, and he served him for dinner. He said, what would you do to that man? And David, angry, passionate, he said, that man should be killed. And the poor man should receive fourfold in his sheep. Sheep were a big deal back then. He should be, but he's passionate. And he said, that man should be killed. And what does Nathan do? He said, you are that man. Because you had everything of the kids, as the king of Israel. You had many wives. You had many riches. You had a kingdom. But you took this one man's wife and you made him your own. You are that sinner that that story's about. David broke. You know what happened? That whole time he wasn't confronting his sin. And when he was confronted with the word of God, all of a sudden he was in a place now where he could repent of that sin, be broken of that sin, have a contrite spirit, and be restored to the joy of his salvation. David doesn't try to justify what he did. He breaks, he cries, and he writes this psalm through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us. So you need to understand this is psalm is written right after David had done sins that you wouldn't even let him in the church over. He can't come in this church. That guy's a sinner. But God shows him unbelievable mercy because of his response. He still pays for sin, but the mercy of God overflows this situation so much that David writes the psalm and breaks and falls to his need. There's two things that fall at David's his whole life. And we hear at that psalm. He said, from the time I was conceived, I was born in, born in iniquity. I sinned. His sin followed him whole life. I think many people can attest to that, right? Sin, any thought, action, attitude that is against the law of God and transgressed the law of God. His sin had followed him his whole life. But God's mercy had followed him his whole life too. So those things have been part and unbelievable. So David realized through the nature and the character and experience with God that when he sinned, God was great in mercy. That every time he fell, he would run to God because he knew he could run to a loving, compassionate, forgiving, and merciful God. This is amazing because some people teach you that God's not kind or tender like that. But through relationship, he knew that even though he did these heinous, horrible, disgusting sins, that his God was merciful and forgiven, and that he could get to his knees and God would forgive his sins. Those things are so important that we understand that as we fight for the joy of our salvation. We are going to sin, we're going to fall, but we can always run to God, and his mercy is new. You cannot sin yourself out of the love of God, because his grace and his kindness actually leads us to repentance. Fight for the joy of your salvation. Let the mercy of God overwhelm you and your salvation restored. So I bought my house about nine or ten years ago. And what happened? They're supposed to tell you if there's problems with the house. Has anyone bought a house and like, man, they're supposed to tell you if there's problems with the house. <clears throat> they hid something from me. There was a manhole cover on the side that I can't see. So I'm not even paying attention. I'm just looking out the front and the back. I'm all right. It's a manhole cover. That tends to overflow sometime. Now rejoice in that, home buyers. I just bought a house where the service overflows sometimes, and I have 
No idea that's going to happen. So it happened a few times. You call the, the Wakefield DPW. They come down. They suck it out. They're a little mad at you, but they move on. Finally, when we got all those storms this past winter, the sewage overflowed from all the water and melt and all that kind of drainage with a DPW knocked on my door and said, dude, you're going to have to take care of this yourself. Enough's enough. And he gave me his advice on how to take care of that storage. He said, dude, I didn't like his advice. He said, you're going to have to get, he said, we put a camera down there and we saw there were roots in there. And the roots have grown all into the pipe, so now the storage can't flow through. And he gave me the worst news I could ever hear when you're on a budget. It's going to cost you about five or $10,000, but they'll get in there, take out the dunes, clean it. All I heard was five, $10,000. I, I didn't hear much else that he said. First thing I said was, I don't have the money to pay for that. We're playing the church out here. The pastor don't have money when you're playing the church out here. So I said, man, I don't have the price. Then a plumber came over and says, listen, dude, you can do this yourself. And I'm thinking, I have the weakest stomach in the East Coast. I'm not digging and doing storage. That's how, come on. He said, dig the hole. It's only about six feet down. Come on. Then you get there and you do it. So I knew I couldn't do it myself. Then I got the best news from a plumber who believes the gospel. He said, Joey, I found root destroyer. All you got to do with the root destroyer is either pour it down your toilet or pour it in the manhole and it's done. I said, that's good news. He said, it's going to cost you 30 bucks. But come on now, 30 bucks, 10,000. Let's get to it. <laughs> it's going to cost you 30 bucks. Just pour it down. You might have to do that once a year. Do you know how good that felt? I knew I couldn't pay the price. I knew I couldn't do myself. And all of a sudden, the root destroyer is poured over the whole situation. You know where I'm going with this. Sin overflows like storage in our hearts. We realize that we're sinners. We realize that we're falling short of the glory of God. We realize we can't put ourselves in favor of God no matter what we do. No matter how hard we try, there's only one that's worthy of that, and that's Jesus. So what happens? Some people tell you, you can pay the price yourself. Live good enough. Be good enough. You can justify yourself. But we realize that doesn't work. There's no joy in that. There's no joy in salvation. Then they say, you know, do it yourself. He said, I can't do it myself. I can't pay the price. I can't do it myself. Then the mercy of God comes along. Then the mercy of God comes along that destroys the work of the enemy. It gets poured throughout our life and we're overwhelmed by the mercy of God that even takes the root of sin out of our hearts. We get more sanctified through the years. We're never perfect, but we become more like Jesus in all our guilt, in all our shame, in all those things that so easily hinder us are washed away through the mercy of God. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? The mercy of God you cannot even fathom. We try to get a hold of it, but we can't fathom it. That God who is love, who always existed, gave his son while we were still sinners to die for us, for you and me, so that we could have life through his perfect life, perfect death, and justifying resurrection. That mercy overwhelms me. You know, we have to hear sometimes that God loves us. Do you guys know that? We forget that. We forget that God loves us. I even know this past week, it's been a long few weeks. If you want to advance the gospel, you're going to have some days where you're feeling the weight of it. And I always tell people all the time, God's merciful. You hear me up here like, God's merciful, believe it. But sometimes you're telling people God's merciful so much, you forget he's merciful towards you. And my wife said something very simple, but I didn't realize I need to hear it. She said, God, God loves you, Joe. He's merciful on you. He's merciful on your family. You know that simple truth? 
Even though I knew that if someone asked me, asked me, I needed someone to tell me that. I need the joy of my salvation to be restored to remember that God loves me. I'm an object of his mercy. I want you to hear that today. You're an object of God's mercy. He has cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. He loves you. You are innocent before God. And you can worship him freely because of the mercy that comes through the gospel. Amen? That's just powerful and awesome stuff. Now, David says something cool here. He says, Lord, teach me your ways so that I can teach transgressors your ways. And some of us might hear it like this, and I might have heard, heard this like this when I was younger. Lord, teach me how to be perfect and good so I can teach others how to be perfect and good, right? Teach me to be the model. People can look at me and just aspire. I don't think that's what this text is saying. And I'll give you, I like telling stories, so you're going to get a few stories today because I think they teach the gospel well. Kira and Jacqueline went over the house like a year or two ago. The Colburns, they came over. And Jacqueline said, Joey, you want to see me do a cartwheel? I said, absolutely. She proceeded to do the worst cartwheel in human history. It was so bad, but she got up from that cartwheel like, you saw what I did. And I, I, I didn't have the heart to say, Jacqueline, that's the worst cartwheel I've seen in the history of humanity. Because you don't say that to a four-year-old. Kira was watching Jacqueline do the cartwheel. So she said, can I do a cartwheel? And she copied Jacqueline and proceeded to do the worst. I thought it couldn't be beat. One minute later, she did the worst cartwheel in human history. But they both got up like, you saw what we did. And I said, I'm not saying anything. I feel like we're like that sometimes. We start to follow Jesus, and all of a sudden, we, we get a victory in our life, and we're like, everyone needs to follow me. When really, we got a plank in our eye, and people looking at it, that, that dude still has a lot of sanctification to go. And only I've been following Jesus for a year. Only if they follow me. But really, people look from outside and say, that's the worst cartwheel I've seen in human history. So it's not be perfect and good, because sometimes we look like we're doing horrible cartwheels. It's be broken and repentant before God, like I'm broken and repentant before God. Do you guys hear me? Because one thing we can all identify about is that we're sinners and we need God's grace and mercy every day of our life. And what we, how we can teach transgressors the way of God and saying, yes, we're all sinners, we'll identify as that. But God's mercy is greater and he leads us to repentance day after day. Follow my brokenness, follow my repentance, follow my hunger to have a clean heart. So I would say it's more like this. My in-laws and my wife are clean people, right? Well, you don't know that. I'm, I'm asking for amen. You don't know that. <laughs> One of the things I noticed was things got cleaned daily, right? They cleaned all the Joe Vec, he's out of control. There's a haircut. He's on his side vacuum and stuff. Like, it just gets crazy, but it's always clean. My daughters are over there on Monday and Fridays when my wife works. What they see all the time is they see my in-laws and they see my wife at home. Natalie's clean too. She wants to make sure I throw that in. You can't leave that out. She sees her grandparents and her mother cleaning constantly. She cleans everything with Windex. She has decided because she sees them cleaning that she's going to clean with Windex all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. She pulled, she wants piano lessons. She pulled out the keyboard, Windex. Like, she just does that. What they are teaching her, just physically, is that things get dirty every day. 
Things get dirty every day. And they have to be cleaned regularly. So she knows that by watching them and imitating them and following them, that I have to clean daily, the house daily, because things get dirty. We teach transgressors the way of God when we teach that we are prone to sin daily. We are prone to sin daily, and repentance should be a key part of our life because our joy of our salvation is restored when we have a clean heart. Not a perfect heart, a clean heart. That's what David's praying for, right? Create in me a clean heart. How filthy was his heart leading up to those heinous sins? How filthy? Because you don't just, you don't commit adultery and murder one day. That doesn't just happen like you're all healthy, wake up. That's building up in the heart, in the mind, over years. The heart's getting dirty and all of a sudden it reaches its peak in an act like that. David had not been cleaning his heart. He had not been repentant towards God. He had not been knowing the love of God and allow that to lead him to repentance. In the same way, we teach transgressors the way of God when we teach each other that we have to repent daily, rehearse the gospel daily, and remember the mercy of God. That is so important. You've seen that show Hoarders. That didn't happen in a day. It's gross. Going to trailer, there's dead raccoons. People are walking around like that is because they didn't clean daily. That's because they let that build up. And we can do that in our heart. We cannot confront sin. We cannot know the mercy of God. And we can let that build up in our heart. But we teach the ways of God when we teach repentance and that God is merciful. So there's just three things I want to give you in regular application right now. The first thing I want to speak here. I know I'm some of your pastors. Some of your, I'm your pastor, some of you, you know that. Some of you have other pastors. So please hear this with humility because you don't want to be coming down too hard on sin on the joint service. Is God confronting you with an area that you are sinning in your life? Has God sent people into your life, whether your pastors or the word of God, or even the Holy Spirit is just speaking right into your heart that this is a sinful area of your life you need to repent? I plead with you in love to repent of that sin or those sins and allow the joy of your salvation to be restored. Because when we don't repent of our sin, it hinders our joy. And we need joy to keep going. We need joy to advance the gospel, joy to bring glory to God. Are there areas in your life? Let God take that away. Repentance is a beautiful thing that we run away from. We run away from, and it's a beautiful gift from God. If you're being confronted, repent, receive the joy of your salvation. There's also something David said because he's coming out of the struggle. I'm sure as he's praying, he's working through, like, have I sinned my way out of God's favor? Has anyone felt like that? I've sinned my way out of God's favor. And this, this is why I think he's battling this. He says, cast not your holy, don't take your presence from me. That's the biggest fear of them all, is it not? That I have sinned to the point where God no longer loves me. I've sinned my way out of salvation. I've sinned my way out of favor. I've sinned my way. I'm not an object of his mercy anymore. I want to release you of that. You have not sinned your way out of the favor of God. You have not sinned your way out of faith. You are free because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The enemy gets in there and he lies to us and it brings condemnation and it keeps us back and it takes away our joy because we think God doesn't love me anymore because I'm not good enough. You are good enough because of Jesus Christ. Please hear that he loves you deeply and there's no sin too much that God can overcome him with the mercy of the cross. You need to hear that. Secondly, tell people in your life that sometimes they need to tell you that God loves you. I'm serious. Because we forget that. 
be aware that everyone here needs to hear that God loves them specifically and loves us as a whole. We hear that through preaching. We hear that through the word of God. But we need to love each other by saying to each other and preaching the gospel to each other that we are forgiven, loved, and objects of God's mercy. Please make that a practice because your heart needs to be cleaned out through the mercy of God every day so you can have that joy. And finally, invest your life in showing transgressors and sinners like us the ways of God, that he is merciful and loving. God is merciful and loving and more compassionate and patient and tenderhearted that we can even do justice to. Pray that same prayer that David prayed. Lord, teach me your grace. Teach me your mercy so I can share the goodness of your gospel with others. One of the most powerful things I've ever learned at Seven Mile Road was I got into a pastor track, as you guys know, as I had the privilege of pastoring there for a few years. (laughs) I got into a pastor track that I wasn't ready for because I didn't understand how merciful it would be. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't know it would be that merciful. I came from cultures where people genuinely loved Jesus, but everyone was trying to be better. And everyone was falling short, and then there's masks, costumes, everyone's, no one's happy. You guys know how that goes. All of a sudden, I get asked to be part of a leadership track. I go into the track. I become a pastor. And I'm in a group of guys who are leading the church. And we're confessing our struggles and sins to each other. Aren't you supposed to hide those so everyone follows you? No. You're supposed to identify yourself as a sinner and God is merciful. And I couldn't understand it because we're struggling, we're repenting, we're saying, trying to lead God's people. We're we're the best we can to be broken and humble for each other. And it changed me because I realized now that brought me joy. I look forward to those meetings now because you didn't have to pretend. Because God's grace was that good. And some say, I'm struggling with this sin. You'd have four or five pastors saying, the gospel is true. God is using this to sanctify you. You are loved by God. Try that on for size. It changes your life. It teaches you the ways of God. It teaches you the ways of the gospel. Because we get weighed down by this life. And I'll close with this. Because I want to make sure Seven Mile Road knows how much you've invested in me and this church and the difference it made because you have taught a sinner, a transgressor like myself the ways of God and I'm able to multiply that by the grace of God. So there was a season in my life I was like, what the heck am I doing being a pastor? Literally. I'm like, what's going on? I should not be a pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still learning. And I listened to a message from Seven Mile Road, Matt preached on how God's Grace qualifies us to be a pastor. And God grace qualifies us even to worship him. And I remember weeping in my office by myself. Just weeping. Just, I just kept crying and crying because the grace of God and the mercy of God overwhelmed me. And after I finished weeping, I felt the joy of my salvation come back, of God's salvation. It came back. Because I realize it's not about making us big. It's not about our works being up, up here. It's about Jesus' work being us here. God's work through his grace. Us being down here. And Jesus bridging that gap. And those are the happiest moments of your life. Those are the most joyful when you realize you couldn't do it. But God's grace has qualified us. That's joy. That's happiness. That's love. That's enjoying God. So road family, I want you to enjoy God. The joy of our salvation has been restored through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.